0: hello and welcome to the let's talk podcasts this is your host susie lewis speaking from toulouse and in this episode of let's talk we will be discussing high performing organizations and agile ecosystems today i am delighted to welcome peter stoplenberg expert in leadership and transformation management peter welcome to the show
1: Hi, Susie. Thanks for uh, having me.
0: (laughs) It's a pleasure. Peter, you've spent your career in transformation and leadership working both operationally and strategically in different countries, different working cultures, different business environments, to create and help them create more high-performing organisations and to deploy agile across organisational boundaries and leadership cultures, which is a passion we share and we met in this space. You're also the author of two books, The Essence of an Agile Organization, which is Practical Lessons from Agile Leadership and Culture, and High Performance 3.0, which are both practical guides mixing research and practical application on these topics. So you continue your quest for bringing more humanity to the current definition of high performance and more agility. So I would like to start by um, picking up on the notion of agile, a much-used even overused buzzword in today's environment and not necessarily always linked to performance or culture. So I feel that the mindset and principles Agile sets out are clearly needed in today's business world to ask the right questions and design organizational culture differently for more adaptability and tolerance to uncertainty. But can I start by asking you what the place of Agile is in today's business landscape for you?
1: Uh, Yes, of course, Susie. Thanks for the uh, very kind introduction, (laughs) uh, actually. You know, I I see agile. Some people call it a buzzword, like, you know, all of a Mm. sudden, last five years, it's all about agile. You know, five years before, it was like business process improvement, lean, and so on. I, I I do think there is a... A distinct difference it is like you know it's, it goes hand in hand with how organizations as also societies develop
0: yeah.
1: uh, if you think about you know customers getting more demanding they know they know their way around it's a lot about digitalization mm-hmm. so the whole agile philosophy is actually an outcome I think personally how society especially our western societies are evolving mm-hmm. So you know, I think there's so much profoundness in agile. So again, you know, first face people may say this is this is not really new. Actually, there is a lot of novelty in it. Mm. Um, and for me, agile, you know, it is. I always talk about agile doing and being. So what you what you see, you know. I think the the whole agile philosophy, you know, it's like you know, if you're an organization at the forefront of things, you know, you want to be really customer centric. You want to shape your ecosystem, mm. uh, go from shareholder uh, value to real stakeholder ecosystem value. Mm. I think uh, agile philosophy is really really important, you know. And and then again, you know, I I see. Agile doing and being going hand in hand. So Agile for me, uh, if you have like a narrow definition, you think about the Agile doing, you think about uh, the methodologies like like Scrum, uh, design thinking, Kanban and so on. Mm. That's for me, it's, it's, it is really an important cornerstone, but it's not what I would call agile in its full mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think you know agile has got other elements as well it is like uh, there's a structural element besides yeah. the methodology which is like how do I organize my organization mm. right so agile organizations they are organized relatively in a, in a flat uh, yes. type of way you know I, I, I worked the other day For uh, an organization uh, was about a thousand people with eleven layers. Well, for me, (laughs) definition that cannot be agile because agile is all about self-organizing teams Mm. who, in a in a way, work together together in a in a concerted effort, right? To Mm. to get the organizational goals done. Mm. So, besides the structure and methodology. I think there is a very, very being side is, is what I call the culture and leadership. You know, uh, Agile um, uh, goes hand in hand with a different type of culture and definitely a different uh, type of yeah leadership. Mm, yep. And for me, you know, Agile organizations, you know, if you if you boil it down, what is an Agile organization? So there's a lot of different definitions. But for me, it is like an organization, you know, that can reinvent itself again and, and again yeah you know, to to bring about more business and personal growth yeah and then you can reinvent yourself again and again you know mm. that means you have great adaptability to the ecosystem and speed of action mm. uh, you know and that's what's really necessary nows, nowadays i mean I, I can remember 30 years ago i started uh, my career i started working mm. i think the business model was valid uh, in those days maybe 10 years yeah but nowadays Nowadays, of course, it depends a little bit on the industry, but probably, you know, if you're a little bit in a faster technology driven industry maybe Mm. the business model is half a year (laughs) Mm, If you the traditional industry traditional it's Mm. still two or three years that's what research shows so it's so important this adaptability and speed of action based on these building blocks of agile doing and being
0: yeah and I think business models is is a good example of how things are moving so quickly a bit like skills because the half-life of a skill has also reduced from like 30 years to sort of two years at best, especially (laughs) with the sort of new technology skills and stuff. And I think that comes to disrupt the way particularly traditional industries run and the way they view what they do. And in your book, you talk about the five drivers of agile. Can you tell us a little bit more about these? Because I do agree with you that they go hand in hand, being and doing. But often, from my experience, we see a lot of the doing and less of the being. So I would be interested in how you came to the five drivers of Agile and how you see them playing out today?
1: Yeah, it's a nice question, uh, Susie. You know, I basically read everything, researched uh, a lot mm-hmm. uh, on this uh, on this topic, and of course, also a lot of practical experience. I think you know when I when I do my consulting work or or do my writing, I always want to make it practical. Yeah, what I what I've seen, you know even nowadays most organizations are still relatively traditional yeah yeah and i think there's a huge opportunity uh, you know, when you get, go more into the agile space, so that's how I came up with these five drivers because mm-hmm. I think you know it's not rocket science, but to do and implement it is a different story, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, so let me let me shortly tell you a little bit about five drivers. Yes. So you see, agile organizations they do have a higher purpose. Mm-hmm. I think uh, nowadays world organizations, but also people, you know, they are far more purpose and value driven you know and it's a purpose beyond the organization Yeah. Um, you know can you as an organization be part or even lead and shape your ecosystem right uh, mm. I think you need a, a higher purpose if you want to play and elevate your, your organization into the ecosystem you need to play your part of that you know and I, I think mm. you know an example there is uh, is the the Dutch English uh, organization Unilever, yes. right? Who has got a big sustainability philosophy to improve health and well-being of, of over a billion people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, having environmental footprint, things like that. That's what I mean with a, a real bigger purpose, and also live your purpose, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's the first driver. The uh, second driver, you know, can you organize yourself? more in a systemic type of way. You know, an agile organization is a network for me of self-organizing teams, yeah. you know, in the, pure, in the pure form. You know, mm-hmm. teams that work together, coordinate, you know, instead of command and control type of organizations because mm-hmm. I think an agile environment that does not work. So, you know, can you build a organization that is really like from a systemic point of view, you know, the left knows what the right hand side do in a magical type of way. And we can talk more how that works in in real life. Mm, The the third driver, I think this is, this is actually the most important, Important driver is the leadership component. I think research shows, you know, if you want to transform from a traditional to a more agile organization, 50 mm. percent depends on the type of leadership you show. Mm. Oh, and, and, and traditional organizations are very well served with more command control type of leadership, which I yeah. call. Uh, you can also get put labels on like conforming type of leadership, mm-hmm. reactive type of leadership, and mm-hmm. agile organizations. This. Definitely doesn't doesn't work, you know. It's it's all about I think servant leadership, where leaders create conditions, create conditions to to for people, you know, to blossom and 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 you know that they uh, that they empower people and people really take the initiatives.
0: Absolutely. But I mean, servant leadership comes from quite a humble place, doesn't it?
1: It comes from a humble place, you know, and I think the whole mm. Agile philosophy is a philosophy of humbleness, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In all honesty, yeah. <laughs> We're part of a large <laughs> uh, ecosystem. So maybe, you know, we can explore that a little bit further. But let me finish yeah. the drivers of... Yeah first and the fourth one is uh, which i call you know the agile structure and methodologies that was what i talked about before the agile doing it is really important there are some methodologies and there is a certain structure you know that is that is necessary for an agile organization but it's not enough it's yeah. only part the agile doing mm. i think the fifth uh, element and i think uh, you already mentioned it, actually, in your um, in your opening sentences. You know, I I, I think you know the, the human factor. The human factor creates engagement. So, how to bring humanity in an organization, right? And this also, it sounds so easy. You know, often I talk <laughs> to people like, oh yeah, we do that. Yeah, but how often do we play games? Put on our masks, you know, and all the instead time of, instead of. Treating people as adults and give them freedom, you know. Yeah. I think ninety-nine point nine percent of the people is not not there. You know, they don't don't join an organization to sabotage the organization, right? They come there because they want to have some meaning in their lives, some fulfillment. You know, mm. want to do something and mm. contribute. And mm. you know, I'm I'm still struck by the fact that often organizations willing willingly, or sometimes also unconscious, in all honesty, you know, treat people like small kids in all honesty you know maybe a little bit bolder statement but so how can you really bring the humanity in because that creates the engagement so these you know in my in my uh, research Mm. my work as a consultant but also in my business life Mm. uh, these are the five things you know you can play with and five characteristics of an agile organization
0: and and it's great and it's great as a framework and I come back to your culture and leadership piece because essentially what often stops Organizations acting on that is one the leadership piece, but two the sort of unwritten cultural codes that people don't want to look at because it's too difficult and it's too ingrained in the way they work. I mean, I hear a lot of when I discuss agile, I hear a lot of oh, we're already doing Scrum and we do this, and for the rest, we're not ready. In inverted commas. <laughs> so you know, and I would like your take on this. We're not ready for agile. What what does it mean? What are they trying to say? And why are they not ready?
1: Well, you know, I think there's maybe uh, two takes on it. Uh, mm. We are not ready could mean, hey, we are actually doing pretty well, so why rock the boat? Yeah. That's, probably, uh, that's probably maybe one take and, again, maybe non-conscious process. Mm-hmm. We are not ready. I think, you know, a lot of people, and this is how systems work, are maybe yep. so driven by fear. We are not ready for a world where we... You know where we give people freedom, where we <laughs> let go of large chunks of our own power, mm-hmm. where we, you know, empower people. So you know, maybe it's also driven, yeah, by by mm. by. Maybe again, it's an unconscious fear, or I don't want to go all the way, or I take it with small Mm. steps Mm. and you know we're not ready i you know when when people say that to me in all honesty susie i think it's a chicken and the egg story yeah we're never ready (laughs) and i think the whole philosophy of agile it's about incremental improvement yeah. you're never ready no. <laughs> right you never have the context perfect no. uh, so you need to you know, i think it was confucius who says the journey starts with the first step yeah. <laughs> right? absolutely, and that's yeah. what it is you know i as a person you know i i need to take a first step because yeah. you're never ready no, not ready, you know, and you, you you need to make sure, you know, when you're taking the first step, that you you change the conditions of success, yeah, uh, and that you work on it in a in a conscious in a conscious and and, a, and, a, and in a proper way. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like chaos. We take a first step. Right, it's like I always compare this. You know, if you go on a big transformation, it's like an uh, organ transplant, right? Sometimes what (laughs) happens, what happens with an organ transplant, if you don't prepare this well, you know, look at blood types and so on. I'm not a doctor, by the way. (laughs) So the body, the body rejects it, right? Yeah. Right, and that's the same with a large transformation. So you know, there is some thought and and some some things you need to do to make the conditions a little bit more perfect. Mm. Not ready, I just don't believe in that. Sorry. Do, do you hear it a lot or not? Yeah, I hear it a lot. And the second sentence, we are already agile, or we are already doing great, yeah. right? So it's like a sort of uh, illusionary thing that you know that, that we are already a great organization. You know, and and it's right. You know, you you, you may be a, a good organization. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm I'm a person. You know, I, I I believe there's always something to be had. There is always something to improve. And I think the most traditional. The, the more traditional your organization is, the more blind you get. So <laughs> that's what I hear a lot, you know. And and yeah. again, it's not a value judgment because no. you know, I you know my 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 whole purpose is to serve people, you know, to let them see things from an organizational level, to help leaders to let them see things like, hey, you say you're not in in con- command and control mode. Well, yeah. you know, if you look really deep in into yourself you may be Mm. right Mm. so I think that is the biggest challenge often you know help people to see their blind Mm. spots from a personal perspective but also from an organizational perspective and I think everybody's ready
0: yeah yeah I I do I think everyone's ready it's about stepping over oneself to get there but I mean if I look at COVID it's brought loads of opportunities for rethinking how organizations work and, and the structure and governance of organizations it's also brought with it a fight or flight reaction in terms of crisis from a lot of leadership teams where they go back into their sort of more reactive behavior in terms of agile and they let their people do agile but they're not necessarily looking at the being which is you know how do I restructure my organization how do I create this team of teams environment where effectively yes power is distributed differently And therefore, you need a different style of leadership. And you've already stated that, you know, leadership is the biggest challenge often. What do you think is the biggest shift that needs to take place in the way they lead to start preparing the organization for, if I take your analogy, for the transplant? I love that analogy.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. You know, you know if you if you're like you know it depends a little bit where you come from of course as well. Yeah. If you if you if you put a little bit in extreme, Susie like you know a real traditional leader. You know, command, command, control. I need to control everything. Yeah. yeah, I need to be certain about things. You know, like yeah. like a protective mask. Hey, I don't show too much of my self. And yeah. you know, thirdly, I'm complying majorly to the system. Yeah. Right? yeah, you know it's like you know don't rock the boat. I comply and well, mm. If you want to change the system you need to rock the boat in all honesty. Yeah. you know if that if that's the case i think leaders like that you know they they really need to grow more from a, yeah what i call servant leadership and some of the characteristics i think you know it starts with a major self-awareness you know mm-hmm. how am i playing the game how am i leading my my people how am i leading myself yeah. it needs an amazing humbleness yeah. Right. I, I'm humble. Uh, you know, I'm here to serve my people. I'm here to serve my uh, organization. I'm here to serve my ecosystem. Yeah, and, and that takes something, right? It takes a lot of kindness to yourself, a lot of kindness and compassion to your people. So it's mm. more, and humbleness has a lot to do with relating as well. I think, you know, can you really emotionally relate with people?
0: Yeah.
1: I think, you know, uh, maybe the last one that I would say, you know, be far more purpose and value. Driven instead of rules or norms driven. Mm. Um, you know, mm. I think you know. Whenever I work with uh, leaders, the one thing uh, often an entry is like so. Tell me, what are your values? What is your purpose in life? Your purpose, not yeah? the company's purpose. Mm-hmm. And you'll be surprised and not a lot of people can really answer that question properly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's often where it starts, uh, you know, it starts with self-awareness, you know, it's like, again, the blind spots and it starts yeah. the self-awareness. It's like, hey, what do you want to achieve in the company, with yourself, in your life, with your family? You know, these yeah. type of conversations a lot of people do not have, let alone that they can articulate it, talk about it and live by it. So that's what I mean, you know, in, in general terms about servant leadership
0: so it's sort of an individual challenge as is all change management or transformation and then it needs to become a collective challenge do you think you can design deliberately for an agile organization because i am a big believer in agile methodology and all its derivatives let's say design thinking lean management scrum kanban all these type of things and and i think you can use those methodologies which are activity-based doing methodologies to have a look at the cognitive processes and look at how you can impact the sort of the culture and mindset piece. What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Susie. I think you can design to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I learned a long time ago, uh, transformation is not linear. So (laughs) that's what I mean. You can, it's messy, actually, it's very messy. (laughs) Uh, So you can design it to a certain extent, you know, and I'm with you there a, uh, from a design perspective, you know, if you, Again, go back to the organ transplant, you know, can you design the new environment? I think there is definitely a structural, you can look at your structure as an organization, you can look at the methodologies, the ways of working, Mm. that's part of it, but you also need to design for your culture. Right. Yeah. You need to understand your systemic patterns. Hey, today, mm. it's all about command and control. We mm. want a culture of you know, initiative, freedom, and so on. And you need to have conversations around that. And then for me, another design element is also leadership. Yeah. Yeah, what's the type of leadership? And if you bring these together, I think to a certain extent, you definitely can design an agile organization. Absolutely. Mm.
0: Absolutely. And- And what would be your starting point, or should I say your advice for starting point on designing an agile culture? Because that's the most intangible for people. And it's often the most implicit, let's put it that way.
1: You know, uh, it's great that you bring um, that you bring up the culture. It's my favorite question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got it. You know, you know, <laughs> there, there is this. Of course, you, you know this. Of course, and I think the listeners also know this. This famous Peter Drucker quote: "Culture eats strategy for breakfast." Yeah, and I always add and methodologies for lunch, right? <laughs> so, so it's like you know, it's like culture is really, really, really important. Mm. And, you know, I think. When you ask about entry points and when you ask about culture, you really need to understand the undercurrents of your culture. Hmm. Drive your culture. Yeah, it's like an iceberg. Oh, well, and if you ask me practically how could you do this, well, work through it with people, with groups, with teams, mm-hmm. and so on. But it's like the iceberg from an event perspective. At the tip of the iceberg, yeah. you think this and this is going on. It's actually the undercurrents, what's underneath the water uh, level, the water mm-hmm. line. That's what's driving your uh, organization. If you don't understand that, if you don't address that, I tell you, the undercurrents are stronger than the stuff you see. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. it's like uh, it's a little bit like uh, analogy to the Star Wars movie, the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. <laughs> I always call it, always call it the, uh, the system strikes back. So you have a lot <laughs> of great interventions, oh, but brilliant. if you don't deal with the undercurrents and really change the system... Yeah. so this is why it's deeper work from an organizational perspective it's from a, of course from a from the me leader I perspective it's deeper work but also from an organizational perspective it is deeper work you know can mm-hmm. you talk about the undercurrents and if you want to talk about these undercurrents you know that you talk about motivation about fears of people oh well, that takes something that's where the emotional connection also happens right yeah it doesn't happen at the event level no it happens in the undercurrents. Yeah. That runs a system, and mm. that's that you need to address. Otherwise, I think you have you have a hard time changing your system to yeah. a full agile organization.
0: And, th- and that's why I like to make the distinction between business ecosystems and human systems, because I think the undercurrent part is mainly the human system navigating from, if we make it very black and white, from fear to courage-based culture, yeah. and you know from sort of command and control to more curiosity empathy and, and the servant leadership piece I mean what would be your recommendation for leaders and organizations looking to become more agile
1: first of all what I would do is look at myself I you know again a long time ago I learned the only thing you can change is yourself
0: yeah
1: right so you know start yep. with yourself have a deep look at yourself like hey if I want to become an, more an agile or servant leader you know what do I need to do and then my advice uh, also would be it's like you know. Play in the area you can control, and I don't mean control from a, from a traditional sense, but mm-hmm. you know, where you have influence. For instance, mm-hmm. your team, your business unit, depends of course what type of leader you are, you know, and and because yeah, I think you can make an impact, even in large traditional organizations. You can Absolutely. still do a lot. You can still do a lot, you know. Absolutely. And, and you know, and, and and work from there, you know, and if you have enough people doing this. At one point in time, it will get picked up in a company. So this is more like a bottom-up approach. Also, you know, if, you, if you're if like, you have like um, like a vision as an organization to become more agile, of course, you can do it a little bit more programmatic. And still, but still, if you even if you do it prog- more programmatic, you still need to be starting with yourself, your team. Mm. What's, what's in your sphere of influence, basically?
0: Mm-hmm. Because I'm a big believer in communities of practice and scaling communities of practice to create that voice and then sort of, what I say, turn it on and then turn it up. So dialing up the the system's voice around, you know, the, 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 the momentum for change. What do you see going on around that?
1: It is like um, a community of practice for me is like, you know, an, an informal way of being.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> right?
1: absolutely. And yes. I think that is exactly yeah. how agile cultures work. It's an mm-hmm. informal way of being. It, it is just, it is as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it grows like more more as an organism. You know, mm-hmm. and this, this sounds maybe a little bit esoteric, but that's not how I'm, how I I mean it, right? Mm. You know, because really in a self, you know, one of the misconceptions is like, you know, if you're self-organized, there's no control anymore. Yeah, absolutely. But that's absolutely not true because if you're a mm-hmm. team of ten, in the past in a traditional organization, there's one who is in control. That's that's a team leader. Now you have ten people in control, right? Yes. So that's what I mean with. the the, the informal way of being it's very Mm -hmm. clear we have control we have check and balances and so on but you distributed the power you distributed the decision making process Mm -hmm. so what what would you like one smart person or 10 smart persons well (laughs) i would know
0: (laughs) if you put it like that the the answer is
1: obvious (laughs) that's what i mean but that's that's how true agile works susie absolutely i've seen it working right i mean you've seen also your practice
0: yes It it can work yeah Excellent. Well, time is running. Can I ask you what your one last tip would be for our listeners looking to either start uh, an agile program or to make their organizations more adaptable? Well, maybe
1: maybe from organization perspective, I have a tip, you know, look around, look outside, look at mm-hmm. other companies, get inspired, because we have some sort of blind spot, some blindness about our own organization. And I talk from experience. Yeah. I don't talk from judgment. I talk from experience. Yeah. You know, get inspired, right? And if you have got enough inspired people who can make it happen from organization perspective, you know you'll make it happen. And there are enough people who know how this works. But mm-hmm. so that would be from organization perspective. From the I perspective, I think you know. Look deeply at yourself and be honest to yourself. You know either either as an employee, a leader, or, you know, whatever position you have in a in an organization. And I do believe, and I think it's my last tip, you know, small things do matter. You know, Absolutely. for instance, if, if a leader, you know, you're a little bit in the command and control side, it does matter to shift to more coaching type of leader where you empower people. It may be small for you but it can have a big impact and I, I can still remember you know years ago this one person told me this African say, saying if you think that small things don't matter you never have spent a night with a mosquito yeah. right <laughs> you know so you know if you keep that in mind you know every day if I can do a little bit things a little bit better for myself for my team you know I think you're up and running.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for if you can't do, if you feel you can't do big things, do small things in a big way. I like that.
1: Yeah, super. Nicely said, Susan.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Thank you very much. Where can people get in touch with you, Peter, to find out more about what you do and exchange on these subjects?
1: You can drop me always uh, an email. Mm -hmm. uh, Stoppelenburg.com. You know, hard name but uh, I'm sure it's somewhere you can find it on this podcast and I've got a very old fashioned email it's uh, at yahoo.com okay so uh, you can find me there if you would like to know more
0: okay excellent well thank you very much for coming and sharing your thoughts and inspiring our listeners it was great to have you on the show
1: thanks Susie for having me
0: thanks we hope you enjoyed this episode and if so please head over to iTunes and give us your opinion and your review So it's bye from me for now and see you soon for the next episode of Let's Talk.